So Robert Johnson doing Crossroads Blues, a song that's later going to be made famous by Eric Clapton and Cream. Now that track there was recorded in November of 1936 in San Antonio, Texas. And legend has it that he recorded facing a corner in the hotel room where they were recording at that time. Now some people suggest that he did that so that the recording engineer couldn't see how he picked where his fingers were on the guitar when he played it. But it's more likely, really, that he was doing it to improve the sound quality of the recording at that time. Now, Robert Johnson is a mysterious figure, but he's really not the birth of the blues, not in a recorded music sense. That's going to go back much earlier to guys like Blind Lemon Jefferson and Lonnie Johnson, who we're going to hear from the moment in a moment. But kind of interesting thing about Robert Johnson is because John Hammond Sr., releases an album on CBS Records called King of the Delta Blues, Robert Johnson gets a reference as the King of the Delta Blues. Well, is that accurate? Some people are going to say that Charlie Patton, who we're going to hear in just a moment, was the actual King of the Delta Blues. Now, one thing to remember, at this period, these are itinerant bluesmen. They're walking from town to town to town, and they have to be able to play any song that people want to hear because that's how they get paid. So while we associate them with the blues, they're playing anything and everything that gets the nickel in the hat. And so we want to kind of keep in mind, these guys are essentially walking jukeboxes of that period of time. Now we're going to hear a track here from Charlie Patton, and a couple things about Charlie Patton. Number one, this recording's kind of hard to listen to. Now the track that Patton is recording here is Jesus is a Dying Bed Maker. And so this is an original or an early recording of a traditional blues song that's going to be handed from person to person. So nobody really knows who wrote it. But years later, a guy named Josh White is going to record it, and he's going to record it as In My Time of Dying. Well, of course, Led Zeppelin picks that up, and in the mid-70s, they released that on their album Physical Graffiti. 
And so one of the interesting things about Led Zeppelin, who we're going to have in our list later in the show, is that unlike a lot of bands from the classic rock period, they're going to go back to the dawn of recorded blues music and steal from those guys. And so this is an example of that. So let me play you this song. Again, it's by Charlie Patton. The other thing that makes Patton interesting is he was part Native American, part African American, just like Jimi Hendrix was. They're going to claim that his rhythms are based upon Native American rhythms. Well, personally, I don't hear it, but you might. And it is claimed in the movie Rumble, The Indians Who Rocked the World, that Charlie Patton is of mixed race heritage. Let's hear it right here on Pacific Street Blues as we begin to take a look at the history of the blues. Charlie Patton for you right here on Pacific Street Blues. Now we're taking a look 
at the history of the blues, and I'm kind of putting out what I think is the essential artist. And remember, I don't have five days to do it. I got four segments of a show, right? So it's going to be limited, and some artists are going to be omitted. It's not like I don't know who they are. It's just I had to make a choice, and here's my choice. But I welcome you to go on the Pacific Street Blues Facebook page and add your thoughts. Agree, disagree, throw other artists in there. Just have some fun with it, and let's construct a pretty interesting list. Now, People often say Robert Johnson is the king of the Delta Blues, but the blues and the recording of the blues occurred 10, 20 years before Robert Johnson recorded. And one of the early guys, about 10 years before Robert Johnson, is a guy named Lonnie Johnson. And Lonnie Johnson is interesting because he grows up in New Orleans at the same time as Louis Armstrong. And so these guys are literally their friends. They record together. And while Armstrong leaves New Orleans to go to Chicago and then eventually New York City, Lonnie Johnson is going to go to St. Louis. And just to give you some perspective, his recordings begin in 1926. And in the same year that Lonnie Johnson begins to record, we get our first set of recordings from Jelly Roll Morton, including Red Hot Peppers. Hmm, sounds like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Louis Armstrong's historic Hot Five begin to record. Duke Ellington and the band record East St. Louis Toodaloo, which is probably their biggest hit. Fats Waller, Paul Robeson, and Blind Lemon Jefferson also begin recording. The Savoy Ballroom opens up, and Bessie Smith records her all-time classic, St. Louis Blues, accompanied by Louis Armstrong. So you kind of get a sense of where Johnson's coming from. Now, what's going to make Johnson different is he's not a country Delta blues singer. He's what he describes as a city blues performer, and he's going to present himself as a guy with a lot of class, a very well-distinguished gentleman, and he plays great music. So you'll hear the lyrical playing in his guitar as we listen to this song.
So of the many things that make Lonnie Johnson interesting and some of the claims that he is the most profound guitar player of the 20th century is the fact that he's credited with recording the first guitar duet on uh, vinyl, which is a track that he recorded with his brother called The Nile of Genigo, I believe it's enunciated. It's also that he played with people like Louis Armstrong and with Duke Ellington early on. He was in St. Louis, which, of course, is right up on the Mississippi. And then he also has a relationship with the legendary figure Bessie Smith, who's well known for her sexual appetites. And so the fourth character at this foundational period that we want to introduce is Bessie Smith. Well, there we have it, Bessie Smith. So the first four I'm going to start off with, and what we're taking a look at is kind of the backbone, if you will, the essential artists of the blues. 
And so I've only got 16 slots to get us from the dawn of recorded music to the present era. So bear with me as I try to make some audacious proclamations. And again, we encourage you to go on the Pacific Street Blues Facebook page and post your opinions. But that's Robert Johnson. That's Lonnie Johnson. That is also Charlie Patton. And then Bessie Smith. We're going to jump up to the electrification of the blues as we go to Chicago, Illinois in our next segment. Evil, evil is going on. 
To celebrate New Year's Eve today, we are taking a look at the history of the blues, and I'm kind of making a contention. I'm playing the songs of the artists that I think form the backbone of the blues, which everything else kind of grows off from. Now, you're welcome to agree or disagree. It's just for fun. It's on the Pacific Street Blues Facebook page. If you want to go and interact there, that would be awesome if you did that. And so we're going to start off here in this set of music with the electrification of the blues. And, of course, we're going to go to Chicago, Illinois, 2120 South Michigan Avenue for that. And the king of the house, no doubt about it, was Muddy Waters in a track there from him called Hoochie Coochie Man. We also heard from Howlin' Wolf in one of his great tracks. He just, wow, it's called Evil. And, of course, what's interesting about these, because you have the big three at Chess Records, right? You've got Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, and we're about to listen to Willie Dixon. And what makes it interesting is, number one, is Muddy's band, all of the guys in the band go on to spectacular careers. And they're called the Headhutters because they're so good that no one else can stay on stage with them. But it's interesting, the lineup that Muddy has for his bands becomes kind of the lineup that classic rock bands are going to have. So when we listen to the sound of classic rock, particularly in the early years, all the great bands were covering the blues guys out of Chicago, and they had lineups that emulated the lineups of the guys in the bands of the blues in Chicago. So essentially, Chicago, Illinois, 2120 South Michigan Avenue is going to create the sound the textures of classic rock. That's my contention. I'm sticking with it. And if you take a look at the songs that Willie Dixon wrote, because he was the guy, he was kind of the A&R guy for Cobra Records, as well as eventually for Chess Records, but he's going to write the songs that many of the other artists are going to record and have hits with. And if you take a look at his songs, including the one I'm about to play, basically every major band from 1965 to 1975 is going to record at least one 
of Willie Dixon songs. And if you have a mystery about that, you can, of course, look up our podcast where we've taken a look at each of these artists in depth in three hour shows, including Willie Dixon and his song here, I Can't Quit You, Baby, which is going to be recorded by Muddy Waters, but made famous by Led Zeppelin. Whoa, I can't quit you, baby. But I got to put you down a little while. Whoa, I can't quit you, darling. But I got to put you down a little while.
Now, the fourth artist I want to take a look at in this set of music is, of course, the legendary B.B. King.
Once again from Eric Clapton, of course, for you. Now, Clapton goes all the way back to the start of kind of the birth of British blues rock, which is going to give us bands like Led Zeppelin and Free and the Rolling Stones, uh, Rory Gallagher, all these guys. And Clapton's going to go back to the very beginning. In fact, he's in a pop band called the Yardbirds. They record a song called For Your Love. And Clapton is so disgusted with the pop music way that that band's going to go that he quits on the eve of the band breaking big to join a relatively obscure but well-known locally band called John Mayall and the Bluesbreakers. Now, John Mayall and the Bluesbreakers, of course, go on to an auspicious career in their own right. But it's interesting that as a very young man, Clapton gives up the big bucks to go back to the blues. And he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame three times. And here's my contention. I'm going to make the contention that it's through Clapton, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, or the Allman Brothers that we all become aware of the blues in this modern era. Now, you're welcome to disagree, but you got to do your disagreement on the Pacific Street Blues Facebook page because that's where we're having the conversation. But they are, in essence, the gateway drug for many of us to come into the blues because we're kind of liking the music, and then later on we're like, blues? This is an American art form, and then the exploration inevitably begins. Now, before we go on to the other guys, I want to let you know, coming up on January 21st, we're going to take a three-hour exploration, a spotlight well, a show on the music of Bob Dylan. And it's kind of interesting. We bring in an expert to come and talk to us about Dylan's career as we take our time and explore the people that influenced well, him, king, that he influenced, baby. that covered his music, and whose music he covered. They're a lot of fun, and that's coming up on January 21st. So don't miss it. All right. Yeah, I can make honey, baby. Let me come inside Well, I'm a king, babe Want you to be my queen Well, I'm a king, babe, baby Want you to be my queen Together we can make honey The world has never seen
all about the midnight climb. Oh, that's in the line. All about the price I will. I'll surely be paid. So just for fun, just to end the year, to start off next year, we're just kind of taking a look at the backbone of the blues, taking a look at 16 artists, 16 tracks that gets us from the 1920s to the 2020s on what's the best of the blues. Now, it's just for the point of interacting and having some fun. 
But we had music there from Bonnie Raitt and Steve Ray Vaughan, arguably in the modern era, the two most influential artists that are out there in the blues genre. And so the question is, who's next? Well, I'm going to pick Joe Bonamassa as one of them. I'm taking a look at the fact that he's prolific. He does a lot of uh, work with other bands. He often shows up producing people's records or showing up on their records. So he's helpful. He's building the industry from the inside out. And he's just kind of a nice guy. Yeah, he's a little bit introverted, but he's just kind of a dork. And he's our dork, and we kind of like him. The other one, and I'm going to leap out. I was thinking Tedeschi and Trucks all the way until right now. And I changed my mind. I'm going with the Marcus King Band. And so that's my argument. You can go on the Pacific Street Blues Facebook page. I know it's a lot of openings there. And so just have some fun with it. Throw in your two cents worth. Tell us who you like, where I'm wrong, where I'm right, where you would change it. Just kind of having some fun on our New Year's Eve. So be safe tonight, right? That's important. But let's hear some music now from Joe Bonamassa and Marcus King Band.
that kind of concludes my argument of what is the backbone of the blues? What are the influential artists by era of the blues? Of course, there's a lot of openings there. I mean, Johnny Winter, come on, Albert King, come on. I mean, have some fun. It's on the Pacific Street Blues Facebook page. Take a brief underwriter's break, and I'm going to come back with four artists that I love, and I hope you love them too. <laughs> 